Welcome to this edition of Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets. In this weekly show, you'll catch two fund managers who'll share their views on a selection of listed companies, both here and overseas. Hit the subscribe button on your podcast player to be notified of new episodes each week. And don't forget that all the views expressed are general in nature and you should seek your own advice before making any decisions of your own. That's all from me. Sit back, relax and enjoy the latest edition of Buy, Hold, Sell. Hello and welcome to LiveWire's Buy, Hold, Sell. I'm Ali Selby and today we're joined by two global heavyweights for the secret to finding value in today's volatile market. To do that, we're joined by PM Capital's Paul Moore and Antipodes' Jacob Mitchell. Thank you so much for joining me, guys. Really excited for today's episode. Value came back in a real way in 2022, but since the beginning of 2023, we've seen growth really take the spotlight again. I mean, Nvidia is up around 170% since the beginning of the year. I'll start with you, Jacob. Do you feel like growth will outperform in 2023 or do you think value will come back? Look, I think um, you know our base case is that there's a recession that's sort of coming down the pipe. Uh, we haven't really seen it in the, the spot data yet. But I think, you know, you, given the amount of tightening that's gone into the market via, you know, most of the central banks, um, it's inevitable. And look, in that environment, actually, you have risk in both growth stocks and value stocks. But we would argue that, you know, it's growth still has probably most of the growth stocks still have the highest expectations. Mm-hmm. And there's always that risk that a growth stock becomes a growth trap, i.e. It's, it's, it's maturing and as it matures, it becomes more cyclical. And I think that describes quite a lot of the consumer facing mega cap tech. You know, the outperformance will reverse. And then within the value leg, you want to be fairly defensive. Mm. Over to you, Paul. Do you feel like value could rebound again in 2023? Yeah, look, I mean, short term, until we get this recession that everyone's expecting behind us, I mean, growth could continue uh, on. But I think you really need to go back and look at the medium to longer term. And, you know, we think that. Um, yeah, post-COVID was a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity in sort of value-type stocks. And what we said at the time is that, you know, typically when you get these great opportunities, there's a sort of 10-year cycle. And the trick is to play it out for the full cycle. And so it's going to be a series of two steps forward, one step back. Every time you get it one step back, that's a adv- uh, time you can actually put more money to work in the so-called value stocks. So I think the real, you know, irrespective of what's happening short-term, just go back to your long-term thesis. So just be patient when you're going through situations like this. Mm. We have seen um, mega tap growth stocks in the US outperform since the beginning of the year. The US has also led, I guess, the world over the past decade. Do you see that continuing or is there a different region where you're finding opportunity right now? Yeah, look, we don't focus too much on geography because it's about the stock that you buy. And so, yeah, look, you know, Visa in the US, it's an international stock. It's not a US stock. So. Yeah, basically the US has outperformed because it's got a lot of growth stocks and over the last 10 years with low interest rates, growth stocks did very well. The composition of the index will determine you know, how uh, it performs going forward. So if you believe our thesis on value, now value is typically more found in Europe. Um, so I would expect that uh, on the medium to longer term, we actually might have a cycle where Europe outperforms. Um, but again, when you're looking for opportunity, Don't focus on the index, focus on the stock. Okay, over to you, Jacob. Are you finding more opportunity in the US or in other regions of the world right now? 
Look, I think you're going to find quite a lot of agreement between Paul and I, I mean, given we're both value bias managers and, you know, we're, we're double overweight Europe. And uh, I mean, I would add, add to that that a lot of, if you think about what powered mega cap tech, it was growth in, you know, the adoption of digital advertising, the cloud. Some of that can keep growing, but, you know, there's new cycles that are emerging and uh, whether it's around energy transition, uh, onshoring or reshoring, and I think that plays to a broader group of companies and a lot, you know, Europe has good representation in many of that, many of those capital equipment type sectors. So yeah, I think it could be a broader market, a market where starting multiples do matter a bit more and, you know, <laughs> hands down, that's where the rest of the world wins versus the US. I mean, the average multiple in the rest of the world is 13 times, the US is roughly 19 times. And actually the benchmark in Europe is more oriented towards multinationals than it is in the US. You know, investors forget there's a lot of really domestic facing stocks in the US and they're also relatively expensive. So yeah, I think it could be you know, a very different regime sort of going forward. Mm. We've just seen earnings out of the US, so were better than expected. Do you think the bar was too low? Yeah, yes and no. I mean, it was probably too low in some of those mega cap tech stocks that have done a decent job and like given the moats that those businesses have, they've been able to cut cost and sort of protect margin in a, even as their top line has slowed. But in the rest of the market, arguably it's a different story, right? You, you, you do have, you know, more, a lot more misses, you know, showing up in the lack of share price performance, derating. Um, and so it's really a tale of, of two stock markets, the US at the moment. Do you feel like we could actually see the earnings recession that many predicted? I think the market made the mistake of um, expecting this recession too quickly. Uh, it takes time for interest rates uh, to work its way through the system because they've gone up a lot and very quickly, so it, it will take time. And you've seen the cracks in you know, SVB and things of this nature, but the counter to that is in a higher inflationary environment with the balance sheets of the consumer actually pretty good. They're all employed, they're all earning wages that are going up. We always thought that the economy is probably going to be better than people expect in nominal terms. Uh, it's going to behave differently in a rising interest rate environment than it would have in a, you know, a lower interest rate environment or declining interest rates. So it hasn't surprised us that it's kind of hanging in there, but the slowdown's coming. But that's why you've got to really focus on valuation because if earnings are getting tougher, guess what? Valuation becomes exposed if it's too expensive. Likewise, you know, if it's good valuation, you'll be you know, uh, relatively well protected. So, yeah, just wait a little while. I think, yeah, earnings will be a lot tougher over the next 12 months. Okay, what's the biggest risk to value investing over the next 12 months? That's uh, really easy. It's the same risk that's always present in value investing, patience. The biggest problem with most investors is that they're actually driven by emotion and therefore they make short-term decisions. If you go back to my earlier comment, when you get these really big opportunities, they tend to play it over 10 years. Two steps forward, one step back. Uh, now what happens in the early days is every time you have a step back, people get scared of going into that new opportunity because of their experiences of the past. No, that's when you actually buy into it. Okay, over to you, Jacob. We've got patience here. What do you think is the biggest risk to value investing over the next 12 months? Uh, it's, it's hard to argue against patience. Look, I think all value investing, which is really trying to pay the right price right, relative to, you know, the growth and the underlying business resilience, right? So 
it's, I think in this environment where the economy is slowing, probably the big risk is that, you know, what people mean when they say, they use the label really to mean low multiple. That's not how we think about value investing. We just think about it paying the right price. Um, but in, to the extent that it also typifies, you know, typically buying businesses on lower multiples, arguably sometimes they also come in a, a cyclical package and in a slowing economic environment, the danger is to go too early, um, you know, until you're still in the downturn, you know, it's patience around the cycle and, um, and then being prepared to act with conviction, you know, at, at the bottom of the cycle when investors are, are pretty miserable and you can buy really resilient cyclical businesses or you can buy the next structural winners at attractive multiples. No doubt it's tough out there at the moment, so this question is a little bit of fun. It's a bit of a thought experiment. We want to ask our fund managers if there was one stock that they could bet the house on, what would it be and why? I might start with you, Jacob, and I will be here in a year's time to collect the keys to your house if the stock goes in the red, so no pressure at all. What stock have you brought for us today? Uh, look, I think a really interesting company is um, Siemens Energy. It's a company we've, uh, we own in our, in our top 10 it is a, you know, it's a, it's a one-stop shop for energy transition, and that is, you know, from gas turbines, which, as you know, gas has roughly half of the emissions of coal, and it's also, you know, it still has a decent growth runway in emerging markets, and, and often investors forget that standby power, renewables need standby power, and, and gas is actually the cheapest standby power. There's still a, a runway of demand for, for gas turbines, but on top of that, the company also has the next step in the transition. It's the leader, one of the leaders in wind turbines, and it is the market leader in offshore wind. And offshore wind, because there's a, a lot of fairly persistent wind, is the closest thing renewables have to baseload power. And then finally, it also does the high voltage transmission equipment. You know, even before we actually have to double the amount of power output to decarbonise transport and heating, we already have this very old infrastructure that needs to be upgraded and then expanded. So we just see a multi-decade investment cycle that's emerging and you're in the early stages and that's when these types of businesses, are, I would argue, are most inefficiently priced because people don't really believe, right? They can't see it yet. But when you look at it from a margin of safety, you know, backlog is already building. Uh, and, um, you know, and the, start, the multiple's attractive. So I think it's, it's a really interesting one to put in the top drawer and forget about. And bet the house on. <laughs> over to you, Paul. What stock are you betting over on yeah. for the year ahead? Well, just to start off, I don't make recommendations to other in terms of, you know, what they should be investing on, but in terms of what I'm betting the house on myself, it's actually interesting at the moment because there's probably three or four stocks that I've either bet the house on or I'm thinking of betting the house on. Uh, they're all financials. Got ING in Europe, I've got Bank America in the US, Apollo Global Management in the US, and Charles Schwab. If you yeah. had to pick one though, what would it be? It's a really hard choice. You have to pick um, one. That's, pick that's one. the rule of the game. Well, I'll probably go the safe route for the moment um, in ING because you're getting a 7 or 8% dividend yield upfront. Uh, they're selling on about five to six times earnings because everyone's worried about you know, recession and potential bank taxes and other issues but they're actually paying the money in your pocket today. 
And if you look at the long-term return on equity markets, I don't know what it is off the top of my head, but I'm guessing around you know, 9, 10, 11%. Going forward, it's gonna be less. So if you're already getting a dividend of 7% upfront, that's pretty good. They're also paying back a third of their market cap uh, in excess capital. And at some point, I suspect they'll re-rate from five to six times to nine or 10 times, which is still not excessive. Mm. And you get pretty good capital growth. So I think that's the safest bet. But to be honest, each one of those, uh, I have or will be betting the house on. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed that episode of Buy, Hold, Sell as much as I did. If you did, why not give it a like? Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're adding so much great content every single week. Thanks for listening to Buy, Hold, Sell, brought to you by Livewire Markets, Australia's number one source of expert investment analysis and insights. Register for free online at livewiremarkets.com and you'll discover more exclusive investing articles, videos and podcasts.